Welcome to my podcast. It's called Past Lives A to Z. This is my first episode, and my name is Douglas Casimiri. I am an author, speaker, and past life regression facilitator. Hey, if you ever had an interest in past lives or reincarnation, then you've come to the right place. Sit back and listen. I'll be sharing with you true past life stories of individuals. If you have any questions, my email address is doug at positivepastlife.com. My website is positivepastlife.com. I welcome your questions and I'll answer them on the podcast. My goal of my podcast is to expand your understanding of the spiritual universe, how it works, and how our past lives affect our present life. Before we get started, I want to read you a little daily message from my book, Live Your Life in Awe. It's a calendar book with 365 simple messages of wisdom. The goal is to read one message every day. The same message will have a different meaning to different people. Some may find they have a profound effect on the way they look at life. My message of the day is, some of our most important decisions are those that go against our feelings. Now to some of my true past life stories. This one is called, Ryan's story. Ryan, a little boy from Oklahoma, started having vivid dreams at the age of four. By the age of five, he revealed to his mother, Cindy, who was a devout Baptist, that he, in fact, used to be somebody else. He claimed to be a Hollywood actor. He described his experiences of traveling the world, working with stars like Rita Hayward and dancing on Broadway. His mother claimed the stories were so detailed that there was no way a child of five could ever have made them up. As a Baptist, Cindy had not been taught about reincarnation, nor was she a believer. However, her son's revelations left her feeling the need to research the claims further. In a Hollywood memorial book, she found a black and white picture. Ryan saw it and said, that's me. That's who I was. The picture was of a man named Marty Martin, who had been a small-time actor and Hollywood agent. The photo was shot from the 1930s film called Night After Night, in which Marty Martin had appeared as an extra with no lines. Ryan went on and identified more than 50 details about Marty Martin's life, including how many wives he had, the street he used to live on, and how his heart had exploded. And even an African maid he used to have in his home, he shared with one of his wives. As these claims and details became more specific, Sydney sought help from Dr. Jim Tucker, professional child psychiatry at the University of Virginia. Marty Martin had died in 1964, and Professor Tucker stated, if you look at the picture of the guy with no lines in a movie, then tell me about his life, it's virtually impossible. Ryan would rarely talk about his two sisters, his trips to Paris, his five wives, and living on the street with the letters R-O-X in the name. He also said he missed an orange soda called Chewade. Professor Tucker stated that none of this information was available on the internet. After thoroughly investigating what Ryan had claimed, all 50 details were accurate. Marty Martin had had a weakness for the orange soda called True aid. He used to live on Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. Marty had two sisters and indeed spent time in Paris with his fifth wife. 
He had died of a heart attack. Again, we find absolute proof of past life memories, especially as these memories have come from a child who has no agenda to prove anything. The next story is about Tutu Singh's story. Tutu Singh was two and a half years old when he began telling his family of his other life in Arga in northern India. His memories were quite specific. He said that he'd been an owner of a radio, TV, and video shop. His wife's name was Sersha Verma, and he had a wife named Irma, and his two children. He also said that he had been shot and cremated, and his ashes had been thrown in the river. Tutu described his murder vividly, telling of how he was in his car on his way home from work and was shot in the right temple. Tutu's older brother decided to travel to Arga to check out his young brother's claims. He found a TV, radio, and video shop called Sershi Radio, which was run by a widow named Irma, whose husband had been shot. This as Tutu had described. In addition to these past life memories, and probably more astounding to this case, is the physical evidence. The autopsy report details an entry wound made by a bullet in the right side of Sherma's head. It also shows an exit wound on the left side of his head. When Tutu's hair was shaved as part of a study into these claims, it revealed a birthmark, a round indented shape that coincided exactly with the location of the entry wound from the bullet that killed Sir Verma. They also found a second birthmark on the other side of Tutu's head that coincided exactly with the exit wound found on Sir Verma. Again, we see that these are not isolated cases. There are thousands of cases supporting the theory of past lives. This story is about James Lathinger. Here's the story of an eight-year-old boy who remembers his life as a fighter pilot. His name is James Lethinger, and he lives in Louisiana. For the past five years, he has been talking about his dreams and memories of being Lieutenant James McCready Houston, a World War II fighter pilot from Uniontown, who was killed on Irma Jima. At only two and a half years old, the boy began talking about aviation, and his knowledge of the subject was amazing. He had never been taught this, as his parents knew nothing about aviation. He started to have nightmares of being shot down by a Japanese plane with a red sun on it. James' father started looking to what his son was talking about. He was floored and finally realized something unbelievable was happening. There was no way James could have known these historical facts. His nightmares had started after his father had taken him to the Dallas Flight Museum. But there wasn't any information there that could have started these vivid memories. His mother, Andrea, recalled how James would scream at the top of his air at the top of his voice, airplane crash, on fire, can't get out, help. One time his mother took him shopping. She pointed at a plane in a store window. Look, she said. The plane has a bomb on the bottom. She was shocked to hear her two-and-a-half-year-old boy say, that's not a bomb, that's a drop tank. Andrea had no idea what a drop tank was. James went on to tell his parents that he had flown a plane called the Corsica that took off from a boat called the Natapoma. When his parents made meatloaf for dinner, a dish he had never had before, James said, meatloaf, 
I haven't said, had this since I was in Natatoma. James' father, Bruce, decided to do some research of his own. He found out that a small air, air escort carrier called Natatoma Bay had been in the Battle of Iwo Jima. Further research found that there had indeed been a pilot named James Houston. His plane was hit by Japanese fire and was struck in the engine. This was March 3, 1945. In a further visit to this story, Houston's sister, Anne Barron, now 87 years old, was found. After listening to little James' story, she stated that she totally believed him. He knows too many things. He has all the details of what happened. Houston's cousin Bob, now 74 years old, had this to say. To me, it's amazing. Everything boy, the boy had said is exactly count told to James Houston's father and also my mother. There is no way the child could have had this information. In 2004, when James was six years old, his father took him to, reunion, to a reunion of veterans who had served on Natatoba. When he was there, James was able to recognize one of his old mates after 60 years. James said to his parents, they've gotten really old. Here is the Cameron McLaughlin story. This is another story of a child's past life memories. Cameron lived with his whole life in Glasgow, Scotland. But at the age of two, he told his family that he previously lived on the island of Barra, which is situated on the west coast of Scotland. Cameron started talking about a white house that overlooked the sea and the beach. He said airplanes used to land on the beach and he loved his black and white dog. The family had never been to Barra, which was 200 miles from their home. His father on the island was named Shane Robinson and died when he was hit by a car. Cameron would keep complaining about Barra. They had three toilets. Cameron would draw the house I used to live in. It had a long white right on the beach. He would talk about his brothers, sisters, and parents. Cameron was upset and would cry continuously for his mother, who would read Bible stories to him. But his mother in the present had never read Bible to him at all. Finally, they went to the Isle of Barrow. When they arrived at the house, Cameron jumped out of the car and ran straight inside. He recognized it immediately. But as Cameron walked through the door, he began to look pale and was quite quiet. I guess Cameron realized his past life family no longer lived there. Then he took off running around the house, pointed out all the rooms where he had lived, all the nooks and crannies, and the three toilets, much to his mother's surprise. When he went into the garden, he took to them to a secret entrance that he'd been talking about for years. The last thing Cameron mentioned to his friend was, don't worry about dying, you just come back again. When his mother asked how he got here, he said, I just fell through into mommy's tummy. This is a story about Captain Robert Snow. Robert Snow was a retired captain of the Indianapolis Police Department who had been in charge of the Homicide, Robbery, and Organized Crime Department. He had also written seven books on police work. Robert's story begins at a party when a fellow police officer who conducted past life regressions as a hobby, described how she guided clients into a relaxed state so past life memories would emerge. 
Captain Snow thought these so-called memories must be fabricated, that they were fancies, fantasies. He told this to the regression therapist police officer. This really upset her. She dared Captain Snow to have a past life regression himself. Snow said, sure, I'll do it. But he had no intention of following through with the regression. The regression therapist kept hounding Snow and accused him of being afraid that he did. And reluctantly, the captain got a referral to a different regression therapist and scheduled an appointment. Snow did not believe reincarnation and did not expect to have any meaningful experiences during the regression. As he was directed by a past life regression facilitator to relax, Snow found himself becoming totally at ease with the relaxation process. He let his mind wander as he followed the lead of the facilitator. Then, much to his shock, Captain Snow experienced very clear past memories during the regression. Captain Snow said that his perception of past life events was clearer than waking consciousness. He recalled seven different lifetimes, but the one that was most important was a portrait painter in what seemed to be the 19th century. Captain Snow remembered 30 specific details regarding this lifetime as an artist. One very, very clear memory involved him painting a portrait of the hunchback woman. Captain Snow vividly remembers the experience. The paint strokes that were used to create the painting, a summary of the more specific regression memories is as follows. He painted a portrait of a hunchback woman. He painted portraits to make money, but hated doing it. He used the name Jack, he used a walking stick. His wife and he spent time in France. His wife could not have children. They were desperate for money and he argued with his wife about money. Despite the problems with money and an inability to have children, their marriage was happy. He had an art studio with a, with a bank of skylights and a row of windows. He had once stayed in a state with large gardens. A female relative had died of a blood clot. He died in a large city in the fall of 1917. The regression had such a profound effect on Captain Snow that he became obsessed with trying to determine if it was authentic. Captain Snow himself did not believe in reincarnation and operated under the assumption that he had learned about a portrait painter in the past through a book in school or at a museum, and the regression experience represented a forgotten memory that had resurfaced. Snow investigated the regression experience as he would a police case. He methodically examined art books, visited art galleries, and contracted with dealers. Search for the portrait of the hunchbacked woman he had seen in the regression or other some, some other some clue. Snow was an experienced researcher, but after a year of trying to find the portrait of the hunchbacked woman, it came to a dead end. He concluded that it was unlikely he would ever be able to identify the artist he had been seeing during his regression. Captain Snow's wife suggested that they take a vacation to New Orleans. Snow agreed. On the last day of the trip, Snow wanted, wandered into an art gallery in the French Quarter. Here, Snow had another profound experience. This incident shows how people can be guided, apparently by spiritual sources, in rediscovering past lives. In the gallery that Captain Snow walked into, by chance, he discovered the portrait of the hunchback woman he had seen in his regression. 
For the first several minutes, he didn't move in front of the portrait. The situation began to feel surreal, like a very, very vivid dream. Finally, even though he knew that absolutely certainly, certainly that this was the same painting he had seen during his regression, he became desperate to find a rational answer for what was happening. Things like this just don't happen in real life, he thought. What were the odds of finding this painting? Supernatural things like this just don't happen. From the portrait, Snow learned that the painter's name was J. Carroll Beckworth. Snow's rational side then took him over again. He reasoned that he might have seen this portrait in a museum or an art exhibit. He asked the gallery worker if this was possible. No, the worker said, the portrait has been in private hands for years. Besides, there's not been an exhibition of Beckworth's work in over 75 years. Snow later found that Beckworth's last expedition had been in 1911. Beckworth wasn't a famous artist, but he was a good administrator, as was Snow. Beckworth had become the president of the National Academy of Design in New York. The, the Academy had kept Beckworth's diaries, as well as unpublished autobiography. From Beckworth's diaries and autobiographies, Snow was able to validate all 30 Pacific memories from his regression, including the 12 listed above. There was also a physical resemblance between himself and, and Carol Beckworth. Captain Snow finally became the conclusion that he had been Car Carol Beckworth who indeed had used the name Jack in a prior lifetime. He stated that he had proven reincarnation, and if this had been a police case, the evidence he had compiled would have stood up in court. Captain Snow visits Carol Beckworth's grave, that is, Snow visits his own grave from a past lifetime. Regardless of one's belief system, concrete evidence of reincarnation demands an alteration of it. The shift from belief in past lives to becoming aware of objective evidence of reincarnation can be a shock. Again, I would like to invite questions to these stories that we have just shared. My email address is doug at positivepastlife.com. My website is positivepastlife.com. On the next broadcast, I'll be sharing stories and also talking about how karma affects our present lives. I would like to end this broadcast with a message of love from my book, Whispers of Love. It is also a calendar book with 365 loving messages that provide the emotional support you and your significant other need to help stay connected. The message of the day is, love is like the warmth of a summer's day, filling our hearts with sunshine. Just a reminder, all of my books are available at Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. Until next time, this is Douglas Casimiri reminding you to stay positive. Hi, welcome to my podcast. It's called Past Lives A to Z, and this is my 25th episode, and my name is Doug Casimiri, the past life expert. Hey, if you ever had an interest in past lives, reincarnation, or spirituality, then you've come to the right place. Just sit back and listen. You won't be disappointed. To those of you who have been supporting my show with a monthly subscription, I thank you. If you're not a supporter and would like to help make this podcast possible, Tap the link in the episode description or visit anchor.fm slash past lives A to Z to become a monthly supporter. Your 99 cents a month will go a long way to improving my podcast. And again, my email address is doug at positivepastlife.com. My website is positive
pastlife.com. My blog is pastlivesa-z.com. And we have something new going right now. If you would like a free copy of my book, Past Lives A to Z, go to www.thepastlifeexpert.com. That's www.thepastlifeexpert.com. Again, my goal of my podcast is to expand your understanding of the spiritual universe, how it works, and how past lives gracefully influence your present life and your future life. But before we get started, I want to read you a daily message from my book, Live Your Life in Awe. It's a calendar book with 365 simple messages of wisdom. The goal is to read one message each day. The same message will have a different meaning to different people. Some will have profound impact on the way they look at their life. My message of the day is, everyone is on their own path with their own personal history. So, live and let live. Today I want to talk a little bit about our mortality, or immortality as I would call it. You know, our souls, basically, the one thing I've learned for over 20 years that I've been taking clients back into their previous lifetimes is that we truly are immortal. When you see lifetime after lifetime, description after description, you know our souls are immortal. We are eternal beings and our soul never dies. If we could just grasp the fact that our souls and mortality, we could start the process of preparing ourselves for everlasting life. By preparing ourselves, our souls now, it will go a long way to improving our, our evolutionary scale and movement upward for our soul. If we don't start to prepare for immortality, then we will continue to recycle our present life's belief system and postpone moving forward in a future life because of lessons not learned in this life. You're probably thinking, well, that sounds great. How do I do that? Well, we can start by preparing ourselves how to be a better person towards each other, more loving and more compassionate. Learn to help others before, both well before, emotionally and spiritually. By preparing for immortality, we will lose our fears, feel better about ourselves and humanity as a whole. So, that's a few steps we can take because your present life when you do take these steps will change for the better and it will shape your future life. You'll probably say, well, how's it going to shape my future life? I'll tell you why. It's because if we don't become a better person this life, the next life will be repeating the same patterns. Instead of moving up the evolutionary cycle, we'll stay stagnant, we'll stay the same. It's the most important thing you can do as a human is to improve your soul and it'll help improve everyone else's on this planet. So, let's all try and improve ourselves how we are towards others. Again, I invite your questions. My email address is Doug at PositivePastLife.com My website is PositivePastLife.com My blog is PastLives A to Z Now, I don't want to confuse you with all these different web addresses, but again, if you want a free copy of my book, Past Lives A to Z, go to www.thepastlifeexpert.com. That's www.thepastlifeexpert.com. Again, if you can give 99 cents a month towards support of the podcast, it will be greatly appreciated. And I'd end this podcast with much of love from my book, Whispers of Love. 
It's also a calendar book with 365 loving messages that provide the emotional support you and your significant other need to help each other stay connected. My message of the day is keep believing in love one day at a time and forever will follow. Just a reminder, I'm an author of six books and they're all available at Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. Until next time, this is Douglas Casimir reminding you to stay positive.